Well, th- hey, thanks for that, uh, that slam dunk that you threw down on me there a, a month or so ago. I mean, does anybody, like, look at a sunset, like, on a beautiful day? What is that cat doing? Uh, Jim is doing that swooshy thing again. I already gave him a little bit of shit. Am I allowed to say shit? I gave him a little bit of shit. And welcome to episode 41 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your host, Adam McKinnon, joined as often by my co-host, Jim Passon Jr. Jim? Back for another one. That's right. It's been a pretty good uh, week of baseball. I mean, you didn't have to deal with any of the Yankees or the Mets. BS this uh, last few days. It's probably been great for most uh, so, fans. So no Mets, no Yankees, and the Red Sox are the first team to 20 losses this season. ESPN must oh, be man. besides themselves. And you know what? That's how I know, because on the Baseball Tonight podcast, Dansby Swanson got an interview spot, and Fernando Tatis Jr. is the most talked about player in baseball right now. So, like I said, ESPN has no idea what to do with themselves. Jeff, pass on the side. We still love you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I mean the league is. Uh, I mean the league has changed, right? I mean this isn't uh, this isn't the league from five years ago, uh, where all the important stuff has to happen in the East anymore. Uh, what uh, the last what last year? I think uh, nine out of the top ten players in WAR were all out of West divisions, right? I think right. six were out of uh, the AL West and three were out of the NL West, and Jacob Degrom was the lone one that that wasn't on a West division team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see the focus shift a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see ESPN trying to figure out what to do. I mean, <laughs> still, they still played a Braves Phillies game tonight, which it, I mean, there had to have been a better choice. Right? There, it, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, you know, it's interesting. You, you look at the way that you look at the way the schedules have panned out and all of the improvising everyone's had to do. You know, the, the Marlins are somehow relevant. The Orioles are somehow relevant. The, you know, the Dodgers are winning like usual, but like everyone's little sexy pick, the Diamondbacks, mine included, not doing so great. The White Sox are up and down. Um, you know, the Angels are, you know, falling out of, falling from the, falling from the sky. I, that was low hanging fruit and I don't know why I did it. Forgive me. But, you know, it's just, it's it's interesting to see how much things are the same and yet things are different. You know, the and uh, we're going to get to some of it where you know the Cubs are running away with the NL Central. Okay, uh, you know that type of thing. So, uh, you know, so uh, what we're our goal here today was to uh, is basically to look at each division throughout uh, baseball right now. And, you know, Jim, we, we debated on how to frame this. And, you know, I'm a big believer in the difference between the best player and the most important player. So best and important, two very different things. So uh, we, we're going to take a look at each division and pick one player that we think will be probably most pivotal to their team's success this season. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, so I, I might have even done a little bit of research. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely on that boat. So, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go um, 
we're going to go sort of uh, region by region. So we're going to start with the East. Uh, I'm going to do the National League divisions, and you're going to do the American League divisions. Um, East, Central, and West. Uh, round so work round. from the, the, the worst coast to the best coast. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. So That's um, where I live. So we're going to, yeah, of course, and I'm on the other coast. So it'll be, uh, so it's it's the coast v. coast uh, battle here. So um, so anyway, we're just going to get right into it. Um, you know, although I want to, I want to, before we get into it though, hold on, we're not going to get right into it. Um, we, so Jim, I've been listening a lot, uh, you know, to, you know, the, the podcast world lately and, um, you know, the Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, busting down the unwritten rules. I want to take, make sure we claim our space here and say that we, this, we on this podcast endorse the, these, these actions. Is that correct? In a heartbeat. Did you see it? <laughs> was that yesterday again that he did it again? Or was that even today? I can't even remember. He, he tried again, right? Up like nine. Yeah. Went off on a three and just drilled the ball, but out to him made a good play a second. Uh, it's and, and got him out. But. It's so important. And it, and you know, it's, it's fascinating. You know, Ben Lindbergh was uh, bringing up a good point where he said, you know, he, he was, he was measuring like, you know, is, is the saying goes, you know, there's no, uh, you know, even bad publicity is good publicity. Yeah. I, I think the conversation has changed because it used to be unwritten rule stuff was bad publicity. It yeah. was, you know, it, it, traditionally uh, a, you know, conservative, you know, viewpoint, uh, you know, a generally a, a sport that is a generally a white con- fan base, uh, you know, sort of, you know, more or less condescending to a player of usually a player of color coming up from, you know, Latino ball, you know, which is an entirely different culture, by the way. If you want to see some oh. fantastically entertaining baseball, watch Dominican League games. <laughs> Big time, right? Oh my god! Puerto Rico just, leagues. I mean, you don't you don't even have to watch the game; just listen to the crowd. Good grief! You you can tell the passion that they have. It's and, totally different. And so these oh. conversations have typically been the whole, you know, not playing the game the right way. Blah 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 blah. But I will say, and and I agree with Mr. Lindbergh on his analysis here. The the most reassuring part of this particular incident is how much support Tatis has gotten. From everyone, from former players, managers, media, media light, you know, media people, um, you know, every, pretty much everyone except his own manager for reasons. <laughs> you his know. manager and the guy across the, in the yeah. other dugout. Right? Yeah, that's, that's about it. not a great look. But we we just I feel like we just had to take a moment and put our flag in the sand that we are all about this. And I think that. The world is a better, the baseball world is a better place with players like Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, all of the, you know, uh, Chris Paddock, all of these players in it. Yep. Yeah. If you're playing a, a game where you're competing to win something and you don't want the other team to keep doing the thing that they're out there to do, then go ahead and walk on out there with your white flag raise it and, and quit then you don't have to worry about the other team doing their thing to you if you don't want the other team to score runs you've got multiple ways to stop them and 
if you don't like guys hitting three zero grand slams, then don't throw them a pitch down the middle yeah. and let them do it to don't, you. Then don't stop getting one. yourself in that position. I don't, there's all sorts of things to not do so that that doesn't happen to you. And none of them are to Fernando Tatis's fault, right? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree bring, more. Bring more of that. Bring more of that. Bring more of that love to the game. Bring some more action to the game. Let's, let's, it's a short damn season. I mean, we're, people were bitching about Fernando Tatis, and we got this 60-game COVID season going on. That I know. St. Louis has played like, 12 games of so far this year or whatever the hell it is right yeah so. but they're the best fans in baseball so you know just yeah, just just yeah, that makes just lay off them jim yeah for <laughs> sure so yeah yeah uh definitely to Land. yeah you're welcome to come on the show fernando yeah senior fernando or, or junior that's Doesn't right i'll take either tatis it works for me yeah yeah i'm just gonna start calling grand slam senior and grand slam <laughs> junior <laughs> this it's the slam that binds us so we are. Uh, so yeah, we're going to get into this uh, divisional, uh, divisional sort of. Re- I don't know what you'd call this divisional insight. Sure, why not? Um, sure. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off here, and we're gonna talk about the NL East. Okay, so Perfect. I'm gonna do the NL East. You can do the AL East. The NL East. Uh, you know, looking down up and down at the teams in this division. You know the the uh, Braves currently sit atop at 16, 11, 16 and eleven. Um, the Marlins, Mets, nah, you know the Marlins sit at eleven and eleven. Okay, you know, yeah, sure. You can put the Braves down for sixteen and twelve. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sixteen and twelve. That's true. Uh, thanks, you know, uh, thanks to a, a dramatic ending to that game, the Phillies snapped their losing streak, even though they're still at the bottom. Uh, my, uh, my three, my, uh, almost three-year-old daughter has been signed to a reliever contract with the Phillies because that's an improvement over what they have. But the, the gist of it is, is that, you know, we, in that division, okay, it, a very, in, you know, intense division, you know, a lot of really good teams, some teams underperforming. Um, if you had to look it up and down that division at a single player that could make a huge impact. I'm picking Max Freed as my guy. Uh, you know, a team, you know, yes, the Braves are on top of the division right now, but that's that's a, you know, all you need to do is look at the Nationals from last year and know that these are a collection of very competitive teams. These are teams that can get hot and go on a streak. And one thing that they all have when you look up and down there, with the exception of the Marlins, they have an ace. They have somebody they can run out there, and okay, with short of Aaron Nola's performance the other night, they're they're streak stoppers. And the Braves had a streak stopper in Mike Soroka. Mike Soroka goes down for the year with the uh, ruptured Achilles tendon, and so Max Fried is asked to step up into that role. Now he's done that. You know, a, a 34 innings pitch, 33 strikeouts, a 1.32 ERA, and probably most importantly for Max is a 55% ground ball rate. This is a guy who lives and dies on the ground ball. He's not. He's never been a huge strikeout pitcher. He his prospect file has always been devastating curveball. He will get ground balls in the in the sort of Hun, in the sort of Hunjin Ryu, you know, sort of style. Um, there's some regression that could be coming. He's nearly 86% of runners have been left on base. I don't, yeah, I don't see that as a continuing trend, but you know, for a young pitcher, 
that's where the that's where the metal begins to be tested. When there's signs of regression coming, how do you deal with it? And the Braves have like virtually nothing behind him in the starting role. Um, their bullpen has risen to the occasion. Uh, according to Fangraph's uh, WAR, the Braves have the best bullpen in the National League, and that's good. the The top seven are all American League teams. The Braves rank first among national teams at eighth. So the bullpen's done their part. The uh, the lineup, even without uh, Acuna and Albies, is a plus-producing lineup. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's reason to believe that, okay, every facet of the team is pretty solid with the exception of you know, I mean, they, they've got some really great prospects and, you know, Ian Anderson is, is supposedly going to be coming up next week. There's a lot to like, but Max Freed has got, he's got to step in and be the stop, the streak stopper or the streak starter for them, especially yeah. into the postseason. And he's been great so far this year, right? I mean, 4-0, not that wins belong to the pitcher or anything like that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, 1.32 ERA this year. Um, yeah, regression's got to be there, right? He's, he's not – nobody, you know, nobody's just Max Fried and comes out and does that, right? But, uh, I mean, in because of the bullpen, right, he's been very effective. So – um, not having to go deep in ball games uh, allows a pitcher to let it go. Only have to maybe get through the lineup twice or a little bit more than twice. So, I mean, if I was like to say that if Max Fried wanted to take it to the next level and really you know, continue on with what he's going on now and, and make it even more, I mean, more depth, right? Just to get a little bit deeper into the games. Um, he hasn't gotten – out of the seventh inning, right? I mean, he doesn't even complete the seventh inning in any game. He's averaging five and two thirds a game. But I mean, the one thing that's nice is he's kept his pitch count down during it, right? So right. It's, he's not averaging five and two thirds because he's throwing 100, 100 strikes or 100 pitches, right? He's, he's averaging five and two thirds because he's throwing, what, roughly. 80 to 85 pitches per game. So it's not like he can't get deeper if he wanted to. It's just that there's no reason to. So, I mean, yeah, why not lean on a guy that's been doing what he's doing? I mean, there's got to be a little bit of regression there, but it's a short season. I mean, well, it's, it's how you deal with the regression. It's how you deal with the bumps in the road. I don't think he's going to pitch to a 1.32 for the season, but you know, how do you deal with it? You know, you've become, and I think that's what makes him my player like that. He's so critical is that there's a lot of reasons for the Braves to start to regress back towards a division that can snap it away from them. You know, the Mets just, you know, they're a better team than people give them credit for. The Nationals did it last year where they got red hot, and that's a pretty similar team to last year. I know they lost Strasburg, but, I mean, okay, you run out, you know, uh, uh, you know Corbin and Scherzer, you know, you're still fine. I think ultimately what it boils down to is that you've got the one clear deficiency on this team is in the starting rotation, and you you know the guy who wasn't supposed to be the number one is now asked to be and that's and that's going to be a, a very critical thing for the Braves they need someone that can stop a losing streak or start a winning streak and uh, and that's what the other teams in the east have sometimes multiples uh, that the Braves don't and in a short season like this that's even more critical 
Yeah, well, at least for a short season, you're almost halfway through it. So right. yeah. maybe you know, you know, regression of the to the to the back to the middle again, right? Is uh, it, it, it's going to be tough, right? I mean, maybe this. I mean, people can go on you know good streaks of ten straight starts. So Max Fried could do that. He, he only he might only make twelve starts for the season, right? It's right. a sixty game season, right? If he's one out of five in a rotation, 12, 13 starts is is quite a few starts for a season like this. And so yeah, I mean he's already basically if he was getting twelve this year, he's already halfway there. True. So yeah, yeah he might have to regress to the means a little bit, but he ain't gonna get there all in like two games, I don't think. So I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. So keep keep rocking and rolling the way he's rolling and and the Braves, at least with the the jump that they have on uh, second place right now, I mean, you know, it could work out for them. Cool. Well, Max Fried's my guy. Who do you got for the uh, AL East? Uh, the AL East, right? Like I, I kind of tossed and turned on it, right? Because I want to do all that. I wanted to talk about my boy Mike Talkman for the Yankees, but <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't, right? I mean, okay, a little bit, right? Four oh four on base percentage, man. If this guy gets a little bit of his power back, gets that OPS over nine hundred for the season, it's possible. Mike Talkman could, could flat out play, and he'll get opportunity. He'll get opportunities too, being on the being on the Yankees with that oft injured outfield. Yeah, oft injured outfield and a team that's just, I mean basically cruising its way into a playoff spot I also mean, true it's, yeah it's yeah, that's the thing about having eight teams out of every each late let's get me started on that bs <laughs> right so that's why part of the reason why i don't want to talk about mike talkman is because yeah has it changed the outlook of the al east yeah maybe he can help you either a first or a second place team you know it feels like it's tampa and the yankees you know to me but um so instead of talking about either of those teams i decided to talk about the toronto blue jays I believe that they're that that team, right? They're the mm-hmm. they're one of those wild card spots, right? But there's a possibility that they could shake it up enough that they could they don't have to be a wild card spot. They could be one of the top two in the division. I mean, I guess the right. second place team is pretty much a wild card team, but whatever. Um, so to me, I kind of look at Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as that guy, right? It, and it's just, uh, I mean guy's not playing that great right i mean i i mean he had he went one for three today got a home run got his third dinger of the year right mm. breaking like from what, one home run every 44 at bats down to like one home run for every 30 at bats now uh, <laughs> for the season but this is a guy that over the last couple of years is 18.2 ab's per home run last year was 15.7 per home run um the guy's got the power. He's got the bat, and uh, and and where they play him in that lineup, um, he's going to end up sitting back behind uh, a, a lot of the on base guys, right? I mean, right. even with somebody like um, Vlad, right? He's not really playing that great this year. Um, really struggled at the end of last year too. But people still respect his bat, and they they put him on base. The guy's got, a, I mean, a three twenty four OBP for a guy. That, it's hitting 240 or whatever it is this year so he's not you know he's he's setting things up if Bichette's healthy and out there like any other team's got the same problem but Bichette's out there it, it's better for him Vigio um Teoscar Hernandez doesn't spend much time on bases he's too busy right. getting the ball over the fence but yeah. <laughs> I mean the gist is that you know when they play Lourdes Gurriel they're gonna put him in like the five hole right and so I mean it's it's crucial that a guy like that 
not only has his swing on him, that he's got his power swing on him so that he's making the most out of every one of those um, guys in front of him. And right now he's, he's just not panning out to the, the way he has the last couple of years. And so I think he's the, the driving force on that team. Um, I mean, it, it, it deficient in pitching, right. But with team in the AL East doesn't seem to be deficient in pitching right. to me. So, I mean, Hunjian Ryu has been the, the, the money that they paid for, in my eyes, they've gotten what they want. They haven't gotten anything else out of anybody else. But really, were we expecting them to out of Matt Shoemaker, uh, Tanner Roark? It's right. uh, Shoemaker yeah. just hit the IL, I think. Um, Did he go back? Yeah, he went back. It's you know, I agree with you. I think it, that you know that team needs a. Uh, I I feel like he's a guy that with potential to step up and move into you know, a, a complimentary role to those big hitters in the top of the lineup. So, you know, and, and, and that's the, like you said, with the, with the expanded playoffs, it's like, you know, you only need enough of a nudge to get, to get over. And, and, you know, with as polarized as the American league is, you know, between good teams and bad teams, I mean, I could, I could definitely see, see them as a team that sneaks in and gets hot, but they'll need him to be hot to do that. Yeah. Yeah, this team feels like uh, the uh, Kurt Warner uh, St. Louis Rams team. Wow, right? I mean, that's a reference. The, it, I mean, it's just the, it, it just seem like they're like they're the type of team that's just going to have to go out there and and, and prove what prove themselves into being a, a team that's in the top eight, right? So that they can get into the playoff window. And once they're in that playoff window, this, this team could just bash their way through the playoffs. I mean, it's. They're, they're a ridiculous team in that matter. Yeah, mostly pitching will get you through the playoffs, right? I, I get it. But in that first round, anything crazy can happen. Set you up. Get a, you can knock a couple big teams out, you know, somewhere along the line. And next thing you know, yeah, you could be having slugfests between, I don't know, the White Sox and, and, the, and the Blue Jays in the postseason or something like that. Something you crazy. Could. So, yeah, I could, see, I could see them bashing their way there and not playing anything for defense all the way there. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, um, you know, moving on to the to the central. Um, so, you know, I picked uh, a. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the central, and the Cubs are, you know, just kind of ma- running away with the division, more or less. Not nearly as competitive a division as I initially thought it might be, but you know, again, small sample size, 2020, yada yada yada. I get it. Yeah. Um, my player that I picked for the NL Central is Craig Kimbrell, because. They, as the Cubs know more than anybody, is, there's nothing painful, more painful than watching a lead slip away. And there's no easier way for a lead to slip away than in baseball than a bad bullpen. And there's nothing worse in a bad bullpen than an ineffective closer. Because here's the scary part. So Craig Kimbrell, 11.12 ERA over five innings. Okay, five innings, I get it. You have a bad outing, right? 3.8, 3.18 home runs per nine. And some of this is small sample size because you see the extremes of like, you know, a 33% home run to fly ball ratio. Like that's nuts. Yeah. Like a third of the time the ball is in the air, it goes out of the park. His ex, The exit velocity on his, is like, on his pitches is like 97 miles an hour. Yeah. Like it's dumb. It, it, and I just don't... You know, I don't see how that's sustainable, even in this wild season. I don't, I don't quite see that. I so I do see him somewhat improving. I I can see that. But what's scary is like, let's say it doesn't. 
let's just let's just humor me on this. Well, let's say let's say that it it even if it gets better, it's still bad. Okay. Now, who do you go to? Because I mean, the Cubs have nothing in that bullpen behind him. You could go to say uh, maybe Jeremy Jeffress. Okay, his numbers look pretty good, but he's doing that on a one thirty three BAPIP and a. Zero, zero percent home run to fly ball ratio. Every time the ball has been put in the air, it has never gone for a home run. And so you've got one guy on the extreme in Kimbrel that, you know, maybe could come back to the middle a little bit, maybe. And then you've got a guy like Jeremy Jeffress, which is like, you know, damn sure to go back to the middle a little bit. That's just, I don't see how that's, that's sustainable. So it's nothing but bad news. And then you look up and down the rest of the bullpen. I mean, the starting rotation is good. You know what I mean? The lineup is really good. You know, Ian Happ's having an outstanding season. Um, Rizzo's doing his thing. It, I just, I don't, I see the bullpen as such a major liability. I think they'll probably win the Central. I don't see, you know, I, I mean, the Reds could make a run at it, you know. But ultimately, I think that the Cubs bullpen and Kimbrel. He's the pivotal player because Kimbrel has got to find some footing or he is or he's going to cost this team if maybe not in the regular season, he's going to cost them in the postseason. Yeah, I mean if he can figure it out, I mean he could bring that leadership into that bullpen uh and make it happen, right? Turn turn things around for the other people that are struggling, right? right. I mean you're going to want to, I mean, it's not all stats, right? It's all, all numbers that make these players who they are. I mean, Craig Grim, Kimbrell can, uh, he can bring a lot more to the table than just good stats, right? I mean, the man's been bringing numbers all his dang career up until the last couple seasons. And, uh, and I, but I mean, he needs to bring at least some of that with him to be able to make that effect work inside that bullpen. So, um, well, the last three starts, um, what, or last three not starts, but uh, last three appearances for K- Craig Kimbrell, uh, one inning apiece, uh, no hits, one walk, seven strikeouts out of what eleven batters faced. Right. So he's finding uh, it. He's finding. I mean, it could you know in these small like you know that's half of his innings this year. He's finding it, and that's why he's my critical player because he just if he can get back to where he was, if he can, and, not, and maybe not even Atlanta good, if he can just get to Boston good. You know, Boston, Craig Kimbrell, good. Then that will give just some kind of security because outside of that, man, I mean, I, yeah, I, I just, it's like there's nothing more painful than watching your bullpen blow a lead. And it's, mm-hmm. no, and if it doesn't happen now, it'll happen in the postseason. So, yeah. So he's my player to, for the, for the NL Central. And to, to note for me, it's just painful watching Craig. Craig Kimbrell do that. I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't like him with the Braves and I didn't like him with the Padres. I sure as hell didn't like him with the Red Sox. <laughs> right. But the, the, he's one of the unique talents at the position. Right. I mean, he's, he's really um, night and day difference from the, even the best uh, closers slash reliever uh, crews. Right. It's just, uh, he's, he's had such an unbelievable career. I hate to see, the way it's going right now, just because I think it would be better for baseball if he would have just been able to have a 
could last five or six years run to his career yeah work his way straight into a, a, a hall of fame right because i think he was on that he I was mean, on that trajectory for for a while and you know yeah. it was it was the change of scenery it was whatever it was but um i think i think if he's going to if the cubs are going to be any kind of threat in the postseason uh it, you know because i think they'll make the postseason i don't see why they won't yeah. Um, you know, if they're going to be any kind of threat, Kimbrell's got to turn it. He's, he's got to start with him. He's got to turn it around. So yeah, we need him to be the. They, they need him to be the lockdown yeah, guy, right? Exactly. They need him to. If he's not the lockdown guy, he's at least got to be good enough to support the guy that ends up being the lockdown guy. But Correct. Yeah. The bullpen as a whole's got to be better, and that probably pivots around him. So yep. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So. Okay. So uh, so who you got for the AL Central? Uh, the AL Central, uh, I decided that I, I went with pitching, right? I went with the with Lucas Giolito. Okay. Um, rough first outing this year, right? Um, but after that, right, he's gotten it all straightened out. Um, you know, so he's a little under four for an ERA this year. But if you take out the first uh, first outing, 2.3. Um Six fifty OPS against for the season. Take out the first outing, five sixty six OPS against. Um, one outing in this short season just it, it, it stung since the beginning of the season. I think for for a lot of people and and it needs for maybe the the non White Sox fans. Um, you know the White Sox fans have probably been like, man, he's been great the last five stars. What the hell is right. anybody talking about, right? But for for me, it just started off so rough that now I look at look at his numbers and I look at what's been going on with him and. Uh, and it's he's been much better and and to be honest i don't even know if he's even gotten back to where he's supposed to be yet right and uh, he's been really good so um i would ex- his k percentage isn't quite there yet where it needs to be his k to walk rate isn't where it needs to be yet um he's still a little bit shy of that even if you take away the first game um so i think a lot of things spin around him i mean this is a guy that uh that I mean, he could probably post another five or six great starts this year. And I don't know if he gets into the Cy Young conversation, but he's the kind of guy that can, you know, put up five or six Cy Young style starts to finish this season. So, and the White Sox um, need it too. I mean, they'll get into the postseason, I, I think, I, but they really need, in the same way the Braves need that starter stopper type, like the, the White Sox are relying a lot on a mixture of, you know, they're relying on the, from the pitching end a lot on those young upside arms, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm very interested to see, you know, how him and Keuchel, you know, lead yep. that team. Cause Keuchel's going to be, you know, Keuchel's going to be up and down those ground ball pitch to contact guys the, yep. in today's, in today's world is going to have up and down outings. So, he really yep. does need to be the leader of that staff and in a division that it'll be easy to make the postseason, but in a league that it will be difficult to make progress in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to, yeah, keep on uh, trudging forward once they do get into the postseason. Right. It's, I'd say, I mean, they're young, not only on the pitching side, but they're young all around. Right. right. It's a, uh, um, it's a, it's a team that lacks the experience, but it's not short of uh Possess, right? I mean, it, that it lineup like is the, that lineup is is something, it's, man. It's fun, right? I mean, it's just bonkers because it's like anywhere between like one and nine in that batting order. It seems like there can be a stretch where there's just like 
three or four in a row in that batting order that just don't miss, right? And it's like, okay, five guys had a bad day today in the batting order, and the White Sox still post up seven runs, right? Why? Because they string them together. And uh, I I love it. I mean, I love watching it. It's entertaining baseball. I mean, Jason Benetti on the call on top of it, it it makes it just fun, right? (laughs) It makes you – I mean, it gets me about this much closer to wanting to be a White Sox fan, but really not really. So yeah, I, I'm not, they're in my top five of teams to adopt if the Braves ultimately, <laughs> like I've just had enough of them. So they're in my top five of teams to adopt. I, I, I like I like the White Sox and I like the White Sox fans. It's fans true. It, nice and, I, I, think it, I think if I didn't have... If I didn't devote my my American League allegiance to the A's so many years ago, I feel like I would probably it, it would probably be the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, and and on top of it all, I mean, probably not everybody's opinion. It might be in the minority here, but the White Sox have a better stadium in Chicago than the other major league team that's there. Well, yeah, it's it, it helps when it's built in in, in this century. Well, it's maybe just maybe nice. the worst name, maybe the worst name though. I I'm it, I'm not gonna def- I'm not gonna endorse that name. Although the stadium the stadium looks gorgeous, I'd love to go, but I'm not gonna yeah. endorse the name. Yeah, stadium's awesome. Yeah, name whatever. Yeah. No. yeah. So um, all right. So to the to the to the left coast. Um, you know, oh, a honor honorable mention before I leave. Yeah. Nelson Cruz, Minnesota. Oh, the ageless wonder. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, he's basically gone to Barry Bond status and makes you want to question it. No, don't do it, Jim. Don't do it. Nah, don't be don't be it. like the rest I, of I'm it. Enjoying the, I'm enjoying the <laughs> shit out of it. Yeah. No, man, the guy is bonkers, man. I, mean, I love anything's it. Anything's going to make sure Minnesota stays in first place in that division. It's going to be the fact that Nelson Cruz just continues to damage baseballs that they throw towards the plate while he's standing up there. That team is stupid good, man. And I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. That team is stupid good. They just like struggled into like an 18 and 10 record or whatever the heck it is. Right. I I mean, they've struggled into that. This twins are for real. I'm going to feel way worse when the Yankees sweep them again in this, in the post. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be like, ah, they're due. They're due. Right. Right, Yeah. Yeah, It'll probably turn the other direction for a a year. I mean, this team's that team's, I mean, that's all that team's lightning, man. I, I look forward to, uh, seeing what they've got in the tank uh, when it gets to the postseason time, because it feels like they might as well just be on cruise control already. They look that good. I don't think I made a post a World Series prediction this year, but I feel like if 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 you're not at least putting the Twins deep in the postseason, I feel like you're just being contrarian at this point. They're Pretty just, much, they're just yep. so good. Um, yeah, I didn't. I did, I wasn't cheering for them, but yeah. yeah I did. To ignore what what they're capable of, yeah, no thanks. This this is a good team. Yeah, it is. It is. I agree with you. So, um, all right, left coast. Uh, unfortunately, my left coast pick was kind of a cop out. It's too easy. It's Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's too easy. The the Padres are eighteen and twelve. They're second in the West. They're not going to catch the Dodgers. Uh, I just don't feel like the team is there yet. 
but he's currently leading the league in runs, home runs, RBI, and total bases. He seems to be, you know, the big knock against him was defensively. His his throws were errant, and, you know, he he, he didn't have the range. I, I'm, it seems to me that, you know, based on the numbers I see, I don't get to see a lot of him, so... You know, this is just from a from a stat cast, you know, numbers point of view. He seems to be making progress in that regard, and that should be scary for anybody. And, you know, talk about a guy that embraces the uh, sort of leadership role, you know what I mean, that many thought Manny Machado was going to, you know, embrace. Um, you know, he really, man, that that dude is something special. And uh, so I don't really need to go into it too, too much. But, I mean, he, he just really, it's not hard. I mean, it, that explosive style of play could really be a catalyst for a team that is probably going to make the postseason, you know, and, and could really, you know, you need that type of player to, to be your catalyst, to be the guy who starts the rally because anything can happen. And yeah. uh, when you got a guy like that so uh, the, on your team. What a firecracker, man! Oh, I just—I mean, he's taking—he's taking the world by storm, right? I mean, people love him, and there's damn good reason to it, right? I mean, just, they had—they had an interesting question on the—you know—I'm interested to get your thoughts on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast. Uh, the world's greatest baseball announcer, Alex Rodriguez. Oh yeah, I, I money. That ironically. I love that guy. Ironic. Um, Six hundred ninety-six home runs. <laughs> None of them been on the air. He, uh, <laughs> he, um, he, he, uh, you know, was doing the 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 uh, the broadcast, and they were talking about um, if you had a player, uh, one pick, and you had to pick either Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, or Ronald Acuna, um, who do you build your franchise around? And would you, you know, spoiler alert: Tatis got the most votes. But do you do you do you know how much he got the the votes by? Oh man, it was a lopsided. I mean, I think it's recent recency bias. It's he definitely biased the most. It's right? so, definitely recency let's, bias. Let's say he got two thirds. He got sixty six. It was it was almost about two thirds of the vote uh, be, over uh, Acuna and Soto. But that's how people that's that's how people are viewing him right now. Like that that yeah. is. That is how hot this kid is. And so ultimately, I think he's going to be the difference maker in that division. Not in the sense of them winning the division, but yeah. in terms of how legit a contender they are going into the postseason. So so he was my pick. Yeah, he could drive it, right? I mean, the, these, his defense, uh, it's flashy, uh, strong arm. Um, I mean, the play that he made today, I mean, he, by the time he was done making the play he was almost like he was practically had to slow down all the way to the left field wall right to right. get to it i mean the guy's a shortstop uh he's uh so fast right i mean so any ball that he puts in play if it's on the ground in the infield it's like oh man is he he, he might make it to first right and and then on top of it it's got what leads major league baseball and dingers this year uh he's everything that you're hoping for right he's 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 the wonder kid he's what you it's what you hope a whole entire season of of that you can get right this is this guy over and over and over again what fernando fernando tatis is doing swinging at three o pitches and yeah, knocking swing swing away dude swing away it, it, the, the baseball needs you to swing away 
And he uh, just, uh, he loves it. I mean, he's, it's like watching Andrew McCutcheon play baseball. It's uh, the same thing with Fernando Tatis. You could tell that there's, I mean, he doesn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, if they paid him a, a quarter of whatever they're paying him, he'd be still standing in the same damn spot, doing the same damn thing, just as hard. It doesn't, it doesn't change him. He, the, the watching him play just feels like it's Ken Griffey Jr. in his prime, but at shortstop, right? Yeah. It's just bon- it's bonkers to see him all out. And uh, yeah. I agree yeah. with you. Give, give me more Fernando Tatis, but if it was me in that poll, I vote Juan Soto. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I'm taking the hometown kid. Uh, you know, just too many, mm-hmm. too many, too many tools. But uh, that's another. That's Lots an, of tools. That's another one, conversation for another yeah, for another podcast. That's a great question, right? I right. mean, I, I mean, to me, if I had to rank them, maybe one, two, and three, it's probably Soto, Acuna, Tatis. The Tatis Oof. gets two thirds of the vote. It's that's crazy how that's uh, that is. But I, I mean, think I think I, guy that get on base forty percent of the time all day. Uh, yeah, I just, I just think I I go I go Acuna, Tatis, Soto. I, I feel like the the top two, and it's a pretty distant, not a pretty distant third, but the the only sizable gap is from second to third for me. Because, yeah, it's uh, yeah. When I, this is a rabbit Whatever. hole. This is a rabbit hole. This yeah, is a rabbit hole, Jim. Let's stay out of that one. Right? <laughs> I, none of them are in the same division, are they? So. Uh, no, two are in the same. Two are in the east, but yeah. Oh whatever, yeah, Cunha, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Whatever. Um, so lay it on me, AL West, and why is it why is it Mike Trout? Why is it Mike Trout? I forgot. Oh my God. I forgot to put that down. Why is it Mike Trout? Well, it isn't Mike Trout because it doesn't matter for the Angels anymore. God, good Lord, man. Uh, It's terrible. I mean, I didn't have them. I mean, I didn't put out preseason predictions. I didn't think that the Angels were going to be all that great, right? But I didn't think it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I kind of expected that their pitching would be worse than it was, and it and it hasn't been it's just that they're just not playing good all around baseball as a whole. And, uh, it's just weird for a team that's got Rendon on it and trout and Simmons and Fletcher. It's just a, it, it's just bonkers that they've only won nine games this year. It's just flat out bonkers. So no, it's not my child. No, <laughs> it, should, it should be my child. Right. Should, yeah. Um, I went to the A's. I, I, they they intrigue me. They always intrigue me every year with their Billy Ball and everything else, right? And uh, and so I'm. I had two guys in my mind, right, about uh, who I thought were going to be the keys to the A's, and I really it was a coin toss. And uh, I'm going to leave it as a coin toss, and I'm going to go with two for. I think it's um, a toss up between Marcus Semyon and uh, Jesus Lozardo. I think between the two of them, right? Uh, I think if one comes back to one comes back to normal, like Marcus Semyon and uh, Jesus Lazardo is is the beast that I believe that he is, and and uh, I, I think between the, those two, I think they could they could have home field advantage in the in the AL, right? I think that they could be the number one seed. I, I so, it's interesting. I, I agree with you. I think you know. There, Lazardo is one of those like is he seems like a guy that could realize his uh, potential, realize his upside, you know, in yeah. a year like this where you know his biggest concern has been workload, his biggest concern. He, like um, I equate it to sort of like a Chris Paddock situation where, you know, the the season's so much shorter, 
you know, just, you know, you don't have the constraints of the dog days uh, over you and, and the, and having to pace yourself and workload management and all those things. So you just turn them loose. And, and I got to tell you, like, I, I'm very impressed with him and I agree with you. I don't think it's, I think it's really for the first time in a while, it's always been like the A's are like kind of like the race, like they're good, but they're not like division winning mm-hmm. good. They're like, they would win any other division except the one they're in. I think yeah. the A's have the potential to actually break through this year. Yep. You know, whether yeah. it has, has to do with the struggles of the Astros or not, I just think oh, this, this team could break through and, and I think it could be, uh, it's going to be because of those two players. And I think that's some of it, right? I think that's uh, a part of it with the Astros, right? Is that, I mean, they, they lost a they lost a few good games to a good Padres team, right? It's just, uh, but you know, it just seems like the Astros are going to probably take a step back. Uh, no Verlander, Cole's gone. Um, Granky can only throw so many fifty-three and a half mile an hour <laughs> slow curves, taxing on his fist. arm. Well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and get away with it and everything else. But I mean, it's uh, yeah. It's uh, I think, yeah, I, I think it it's it's more important that that Semyon probably gets his bat going, right? I mean, right. his defense is still there. It's, it's all it it's where it's supposed to be. I, it's this guy had a, had a hell of a season last year, third in MVP voting, and well deserved. Possibly, sh- I mean, there were people that you know, felt that he should have been first. Right. I mean, at, at worst second. So, um, you know, he, the, the potential that he, he has, if he got anywhere near what we were expecting him to do this shortened season, right. He's going to have to really correct what he's had to get anywhere near that. And if he does anything like that and regresses back or uh, progresses back to where he needs to be, to, to hit the averages that we were expecting from him. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, it's I true. Mean, it's a dangerous team and you know, it, but it's the type of team that needs all of its gears to be moving. And he's, he's yeah. a critical part of that. You don't have a guy like trout that can put him on his back and carry him. They, that team needs everybody in Chapman and Olsen and uh, Loriano. And they need all of those guys moving up and moving downstream at the same time. Yeah, that's the one thing always about a Billy Bean team, right? Is depth, right? right? It's just you, you can only go cheap and spend money so deep and get what you're expecting for, right? You know, maybe you maybe you miss on somebody, but the backup picks up the slack, right? I mean, that's right. the best you can hope for in that system. And and yeah, so yeah, they need people like Marcus Semyon and Chris Davis to to develop some power again when he is in the lineup. Um, and, and to be productive. So yeah, I, I think Simeon's the biggest key and it's only, it's, it's not just because he's got to get back to the type of player that, that he could be. It's just, it's his ceiling. It's just so ridiculously high that he could be such an impact to that team. If he just gets back to the all-star caliber that he can be for game after game, after game, after game. So yeah, yeah if, if Simeon gets there, he could drag this team all the way uh, to uh, to the to the number one seed in the AL. It's true. He, he would he would I play a major role in that. Yeah, I don't think it could pass the Dodgers for the best record. I think the Dodgers. I think they're just the the, the most set up, right? 
to to get the best record. Yeah, but I wouldn't be shocked if the A's had the second best record in Major League Baseball, which kind of considering the way the schedule's set up this year, where West plays West, Central plays Central, East plays East, it'd be kind of crazy that the the top team in the AL and the NL would come out of the the same side of the country. That's a good but, point. Yeah, with the realignment, so yeah, it's very possible. I mean, the the Giants are that bad of a team. The Diamondbacks have been playing like that. The Mariners, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's there. a lot of bad teams to they win show games up. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, you know that uh, that's pretty much what we wanted to accomplish today. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I, I accomplished everything that we wanted to accomplish today. Right? I mean, it's. What do you think about the season so far as it's played out? I mean, if you look at the the two division winners in every league or in every division, right? The the top two in every division, you've got six postseason teams right there, and then you got your two wild cards. And and looking at what we already have in front of us, right? Looking at at the way the standings line up now, I mean, are you shocked? Are you? Do you have anything that you, you want to comment about the eight teams that are sitting in there, roughly the, those playoff spots? I mean, is there anything that's really makes I, you excited? Right. I mean, we're. I, I mean, I talked about the Blue Jays, which I felt like was one of those border teams. But I mean, when I talk about like Oakland or the Yankees or the Twins, the White Sox, it feels like those types of teams are already locked in. Yeah, you know, I was. I guess when the idea initially came down, I, one of my big, you know, proponents, uh, you know, one of my big uh, sort of pluses or pros with it was that it would get people teams involved and there would be more drama leading through the se- up to the season because these borderline teams would have a shot at it. But yep. you know, now that now that it's sort of taking shape, I'm kind of like, okay, well, if you know, we're a third of the way, you know, or we're, we're however many through, I think we're almost halfway through, and um okay, you've got one team over 500 in the NL East. Um, I'm not counting the Marlins because they haven't played as many games, yep. you know. Uh, okay, cool. So central. Yeah, like the, the central seems like a kind of a runaway, and the the West is, is what we all kind of expected in some way or another. Um, in the American, yeah, it, it doesn't feel, I thought it would feel better than this. I thought it would feel kind of like more exciting. Like we were getting to see teams that are normally not like, you know, just forgotten about, like be relevant. Yep. And I, it doesn't feel that way. Like, I feel like, I feel like teams that we, I was really excited for like Cincinnati or Chicago, you know, Chicago white Sox or, you know, um, you know, the, the, the team, like the Blue Jays to some extent too, you know, there's, there's teams that I was really like looking forward to like being part of the picture. And yep. now that they are, I, it doesn't feel as good as I thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. You really were like, oh yeah, you know, the Orioles, right? Well, I never thought that at the beginning, but right. a week, a week ago, right. Yeah. Whatever. Right. But yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess with eight playoff teams out of each out of each league, right? I guess the the thing isn't so much about who I see that are in it or on the bubble. I guess I really got to almost look at just disappointments almost to to find the the seven teams in each league that, you know, 
that that aren't going to make it right and you mentioned the reds right the diamondbacks were one of those you know darlings for for both you and i and i believe right. now they're in last place in the in the west after the giants beat them today so um you know that that's frustrating to to see teams like that that i thought you know i mean i thought the reds could compete to win the division Right. I, I mean, I had him, I had him picked to win in our off season preview, you know, and I don't, I, I don't, I guess I wish that, you know, it's almost like one of those things in a vacuum, like when we're just talking about it, it's like, oh man, this could be so exciting because this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. Oh. And now like you start to see it kind of play out like the NL East, you know, you, you look at the Mets and you're like, Okay, I mean, sure, they could be in the playoffs. Yeah, and the Nationals. Really... You know, I wish it was. I almost wish it was like we talked about when we started the season. It was like, you know, yeah, let's embrace the weird. Like, let's go all out. Let's make this such an outlier. It, you know, nobody will forget it. I mean, I'm starting to see how that looks with this expanded playoff, and I don't know, man. Like, I I thought it would feel more fun. Yeah, it just doesn't get you. It doesn't get me to the place where I need to to be to be jacked about the what what could be down the road, right? I mean, the Blue Jays make me a little bit fired up. The Orioles make me a little bit fired up, right? But you know what? It made me feel me. What would have made me feel more fired up would have been like the Angels, right? I mean, God right. Damn it! Put Mike Trout in the damn playoff. I'm just focusing on the AL. The next one that drives me nuts will be the Mariners, right? I mean, if the freaking Orioles can be this close to being a postseason team, you know, almost halfway through the season, right? We're almost halfway through the season. You know, give me the Mariners, right? I mean, that's a team that hasn't been to the postseason since 2001 if i'm going to get somebody give me them right? right you know give me those teams to be excited about give me yeah trout and give me the mariners uh versus what you're giving me now right i mean i don't, I don't need to see the cleveland spiders in the postseason anymore or the astros or right. the yankees i mean yeah the yankees yes we can have them <laughs> but i mean it's a i mean it looks like it's like the same old same old right it looks like the same old guilty parties of the of the postseason so far without the exciting bubble teams that i was hoping for and yeah it just it it feels just like a little bit what we hoped for may not materialize and you know maybe i'll feel different when the playoffs start like i i feel like i was i was i was you know all in on 2020 being weird and let's do this now i'm seeing it and and i'm not as into it but you know maybe that'll change when the playoffs come around i think what you know kind of like when i talked about like sort of half jokingly with the orioles i think it for me to really enjoy this i'm not going to enjoy it till afterwards and it'll take a team like one of these weird like don't really belong their teams to make some kind of run for for me to feel good about this yeah. is what it boils down to for me. So my my answer to your question is, I don't feel good yet. Yeah, I think I might, but I don't feel good right now. And doesn't it feel like you should be more jacked up for uh, uh, the trade deadline? <laughs> I mean, dude, I completely forgot about the trade deadline. It's like I, eight days away, right? I mean, it's, and we should have known about that. We should have known that you know GMs are and ownership are not going to do this. You know, the they're not going to make this exciting. They and I and I feel like we should have known that going into this. Uh, I feel like shame on us for for not 
seeing yeah. more clearly about that if we, if, if we weren't. I think the one thing that we're going to get at least at the, is going to be at the end of the season, right? We're going to get right. to that last five, six, seven, the last week or whatever of the season, right? And we're going to see that there's like four divisions that are still up for grabs because they're playing a shortened season. There are going to be four or five teams vying for the last two or three spots into a, into the postseason in each league or something silly like that. I think we'll, I think we'll still get that, which is going to be the, I mean, with a week to go is going to kind of save all the BS that we had to do to get to it. Right. Right. Just, yeah, it's, it's just not exciting as it should be. You know, it feels like you should be, yeah, the race is on, right. We should be racing to get, you know, the, uh, the trade deadline taken care of and people should be filling in their pieces, but you know, deep down it's like, who the hell's selling, right? right? The Red Sox, right? I mean, I can see the Red Sox selling like crazy. Like, take anything that costs money to us. Right. right? That's why we got rid of bets. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Probably Devers and all that. But yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel. It, it doesn't feel good yet. But you know, let's see. Let, ask me. Circle back and let's let's discuss this on the last week of the season. Yeah. Right. Go to September twenty third instead of right. August twenty third. Let's, <laughs> let's talk one more time about right. it. Right. Because yeah, I think it'll be a different a different view at the end of it. It'll still probably stink because of the eight teams getting into the postseason. But at least it should be fun watching them fight for those spots. It'll be right. shit, but it'll be fun shit. So <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun shit, right? I mean, I just hope it's a uh, yeah something crazy, right? Something that at least get a little bit excited about, and then watch them fail miserably when they get to the postseason. Yep. That's how it goes. So, all right, well, that's our show. That's our show this week. Uh, we will be back next week. Why not? And uh, yeah, and we'll keep doing this. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks guys.